Welcome to the Mountain Outpost Podcast, the place where outdoor recreation meets conservation and activism. The Mountain Outpost is both a community and a podcast for the lovers and protectors of the mountains. The Mountain Outpost gives a voice to environmental protection in outdoor recreation. Our work connects today's most influential environmental changemakers, everyday activists and outdoor enthusiasts, supporting one another to keep our mountain environments beautiful and sustainable. I am your host, Megan Davin. Joining us today on our first podcast in the new year is Mallory from Kind Apparel. Kind Apparel is a company where she makes each items are carefully handcrafted from fabrics that are collected from thrift stores, garage sales, clothing swaps. She uses like unique bright colors for stuff that's super comfortable to wear. I have to say myself, I've got a sweet one of their Alton neck warmers and a headband and I love it. I am a huge fan of bright colors and super functional pieces that work all day, every day, you know, from the mountains to sitting at a desk job. And I think it's great to see someone who's taking a background in, you know, arts and fine arts and really making it into these beautiful products. So listen to the kind apparel story. We hope you love her products because we know we do. So my name is Mallory Otteriano, and I am the founder and owner of Kind Apparel. And Kind Apparel is an eco-friendly adventure brand based here in Missoula, Montana. And we create sort of lifestyle products for women um, that are their clothing items that are inspired by our adventures and designed to take you on many adventures. We make everything from upcycled fabrics. So we're using a lot of thrift store clothing and bolt ends and repurposed materials in the production of our pieces. So everything has a really sustainable component to it. And that's kind of what we're about. We're really fueled by the surrounding landscape and the ability that we have and flexibility that we have to get out in it and explore. And using the upcycled fabrics is what makes you guys this eco clothing company, how did you come up with this idea? Totally. So I've kind of been a lifelong quirky dresser. I've always really been drawn to things that no one else has. Um, And what has drawn me to using upcycled fabrics is the ability to create these one of a kind things. I think when you, when you're buying fabric from a store and off a bolt, like you're making many of the same exact thing. And when you're going to the thrift store and you're finding a dress that you can only make one skirt out of, or you're finding a shirt that you can make two hats out of, like you're really creating these unique wearables that you're inspiring the wearer to sort of feel very unique in. So that's kind of where that whole concept came from. And of course we um, sort of, a companion to that is that it supports the planet. There's all of this wonderful fabric that's out here in the cycle of consumer stream and just sort of being regurgitated in a new form and giving life to products that had a past vibrant life and have now been discarded and we're giving, we're breathing new life into them and sending them out on another wonderful journey. What's the process you kind of go 
through to collect all your fabrics? Do you have, are you always on the search, you know, at like thrift stores or what other venues are you kind of using and what makes a piece of fabric speak to you? Is it its condition, the pattern, the material? Yeah, that's, that's a, a great, great question. question. So it's definitely, what speaks, what speaks to me is the pattern. Pretty much we use exclusively patterns in our work. We don't really use any solid fabrics. When we do, we're printing our own work onto them. Um, so yeah, it has to be very bold and very bright and very uniquely patterned. And yeah, I'm on the hunt constantly for fabrics. I have sort of scheduled days where I do go to the thrift stores around my area and comb through them. And then um, anytime I'm out of town, Anytime we take this show on the road to another state, we're always hitting up the thrift stores in those cities to kind of glean more fun materials. And then we're starting to do more and more rescuing of bolt ends and factory seconds from some connections that we've made in the past year or so. So we're able to get a larger chunk of fabric. We might get five to 10 yards of one print so we can make a whole size run of a product in the same print, which is a more predictable way for us to acquire fabric and um, sometimes a little bit more of a predictable way for the consumer to acquire it. And kind of the, like one of the biggest hurdles I think in using upcycled fabrics is the unknown condition really. I work, I'm so particular about the quality of the materials that I source. Um, I've learned a lot about what falls apart in the washing machine and what sticks together in the dryer and what gets hilly and what stains and what runs. So I only source incredibly high quality material um, because it has had this life previous to coming into my possession. And uh, I don't know how long that life has been. So I run everything, anything that comes from the store gets run through several cycles of like heavy cycle washing and drying heavy agitation to make sure that it's going to stand up to consistent use. Um, because that's creating not only a beautiful, unique product, but creating a lasting high quality product is incredibly important to me. Now, is it just, are you the only person making all of the clothing or do you kind of have a team of people that helps out? I have a little team. I'm the only full-time employee. Um, and right now I'm at this time of year, I'm the only manufacturer I'll bring on contract people in heightened seasons of production. And I have a little retail team who go out and set up booths at different events for me. And then once in a while, I have little assistants kind of cycle through and come into my office and help me out in the studio. But um, right now it's, it's me full time. And whenever I need help, I bring other folks in. What type of products are you making? So we make, Right now, it's middle of winter, so we're working on our winter accessories line. So we do a lot of hats, headbands, neck warmers. We have a really fun new product that we came out with this fall called the Vila Bandana, which is just a tube of merino wool that you can wear a bunch of different ways. It's a headband or a neck warmer or a face mask, um, and we hand print all of those. So we do a lot of our own fine art techniques onto our fabrics. So creating pieces that are like multifunctional is super important. And then our summer clothing line, our big item there are skorts. We have these really, really fun and funky, brightly colored spandex and lycra skorts that are really great for a mountain lifestyle. Um, 
I wear them biking and hiking, and they're great for being in and out of the river. And then we accompany that with a little bra top um, that's reversible. It's kind of yoga-inspired. We've cut back a few of our product offerings this year, but um, we we have some dresses and um, yoga-inspired clothing, things that are really easy to move in and can be worn for a variety of different applications. You're definitely uh, speaking my language. Probably yeah. dresses on top of all the fun, bold printed accessories like hats and headbands are definitely a staple in my wardrobe. And I think for a long time I was like ashamed because people would be like, oh, like I love your style. And I'd be like, oh my God, they're making fun of me. I don't match at all. I thought I matched <laughs> when I left the house this morning. And I used to go into this panic mode. And then I just kind of realized like recently that you know, it's just is my style and that I like it and it's comfortable. And I think it's way more fun having like skirts or dresses kind of to do everything in and absolutely colors. That is definitely our MO here. Yeah. And kind of like what the brand has been recognized for is the combination of wild, wild prints. So we have this fun dress called the Andrestay dress, which is just a really simple racer back. It's fitted through the top and kind of a flowy skirt, but it's cotton and spandex, so it's incredibly stretchy and easy to move in, but we hardly use any solid colors in that dress, and there are usually four different materials that we use. So they're all four crazy wild prints that when they're paired together, somehow they go. That's kind of our unique definition of style. So I hear you there. I like it. I like it a lot. Yeah, it's a lot of fun. How long have you been, you know, running Kind Apparel for? So in its current iteration, Kind Apparel is almost two years old. In March, it'll be two years. Um, But I've been doing a clothing company for about four years. In making slightly different products and um, with a little bit of a different intention. But yeah, Kind Apparel has been a full-time operation for me for two years, but it's founded on a lifetime of making clothing and um, a design degree and all sorts of fun stuff there. So did you get into making clothing while you were doing your design degree, or is it something you've just always kind of been like tinkering with and sewing since young kid? Yeah, I I have been sewing since I was really little. My growing up, my mom and my grandma made a lot of things. And so we always had a sewing machine in the house. And I learned how to sew on that pretty early. I would make a lot of clothes for my dolls and um, make kind of like really funky, strange things for myself and with the supervision of my mom. Um, And then in high school, I got really into making clothing out of t shirts. And that was kind of, it was a fun endeavor for me. And then um, after college, I sort of reinvestigated it and started this. Um, So yeah, I went to, I went to a fine arts college for a year and then I ended up getting a degree in architecture and design. So similar construction, but um, slightly different application. And yeah, then I just sort of started selling my t-shirt pieces on Etsy and um, working my sort of non-creative job during the day. And then it kind of took off over uh, the course of a couple of years. And um, 
I got a little bit more into branding and started to consider it a little bit more seriously as a business. And here we are today. So no more side jobs. This is you full on, full time. Yeah. Yep. Yep. This has been my full time job for two years now. That's really awesome. And you transitioned mm-hmm. from more of a t-shirt business into what you're doing now. Yeah. So I was making a lot of um, skirts and sort of patch, very patchworky boho type things out of t-shirts. Um, and then I transitioned into these more technical fabrics that are a little bit more indicative of the lifestyle that I lead and things that I use on a daily basis. And what would that lifestyle be? So I live in this really beautiful area. I relocated out to Western Montana about four years ago to kind of play in the mountains a little bit more. I've always been a mountain girl and inspired by their beauty and the sort of awe of them. And I live in this beautiful town that's so accessible. This morning before work, I woke up and as the sun was rising, I went for a ski around, uh, around the mountain, just about 10 minutes outside my doorstep. Um, so yeah, on a, on a weekly basis, I'm skiing, I'm um, hiking, I'm mountain biking, I'm doing, I'm taking part in river activities. It's just a very accessible um, area for all of these wonderful things that the environment provides us with. That's amazing. I mean, I personally myself live here in Salt Lake now, but I just moved here because you know having access to the outdoors makes for a much better quality of lifestyle, at least for it me. It certainly does. Oh, yeah, it absolutely does. And that's, yeah, that's the inspiration for my brand and the inspiration for my move. And I feel very at ease and happy when I'm able to move my body and, and uh, get up into these impressive mountains and look around and feel so humbled by what I'm surrounded by. Yeah, what's your favorite activity can you pick one probably skiing that's kind of the biggest reason I moved out here I grew up in the northeast um so I grew up skiing in Vermont and New Hampshire and Maine and uh, it's a different animal there I sort of I always fantasized about living out west and skiing bigger mountains and real powder and um after college kind of made that a reality that's really funny. I'm from the East as well. And I, Are you? <laughs> I did not learn to ski until college in Vermont, but basically nice. skiing was what drove me to move out West. And first it was Colorado and now Utah. Mm-hmm. That's great. It's such a different animal out here too. I, especially living in Montana, there's just such a small amount of people that live in this state. So every time I head out into the mountains, I'm experiencing them almost in complete solitude, which is a really, really powerful thing. Growing up in an area where there are so many people and everyone's kind of like in competition to get to the next goal, to get to the next stage and being able to just kind of chill and focus on you out here is a pretty special thing. I wish I could say that um, my morning skin was in solitude, but I did happen to go up probably one of the busiest skin tracks because of time restrictions and you know (laughs) but the fact is you see I probably saw around 20 people and everyone was like super friendly and our you know avalanche conditions are stable right now everything kind of went green and but you see people out you know digging snow pits high-fiving people you've never met are like super friendly and I think part of yeah living in mountains really speaks to that type of lifestyle that 
it's just, I don't even know how to compare it to the East. It's just different. I completely agree. Yeah, you kind of have, I mean, some of my closest friends out here I've met in the middle of the woods on the scan track and um, you exchange phone numbers and then the next day here you are getting a beer and then the next year here you are best friends. It's kind of crazy. So, you know, you're working on this clothing. What kind of drives you to using upcycled fabrics and outside of, you know, making one-of-a-kind type items? Was there any driving factor to choosing the type of materials you're using? Yeah, so right now I'm using a lot of performance fabrics, which are a little harder to find in an upcycled scenario. But, yeah, I think equal to the uniqueness that upcycled fabrics provide is the importance of the environmental component for me. Um, I mean it's really becoming very prevalent and highly known lately how this culture of fast fashion is really hurting our planet in a lot of ways. Um, we've become a culture that just consumes really rapidly and doesn't really consider where our waste goes. And fashion is kind of a, it's just like a, a crazy, crazy contributor to that. Um, if you buy a t-shirt that's $10 and it gets a hole in it, there's no motivation to fix that hole because that's going to cost more than the t-shirt cost you. So that t-shirt goes in the garbage, or if you're a little more socially responsible, it goes to the thrift store. Um, so I love that I'm able to rescue things out of that stream that they're already in instead of being an instigator in creating more pollution in that stream. Um, there's just, there's so much fabric that's already been made into things and, rescuing them and being able to make them into new things if it's a high quality fabric that can sustain that is something that's super super important to my brand i was gonna say when you're out searching for fabrics that aren't you know say coming like bolt ends that you're getting that were just going to be discarded from um like a manufacturer to begin with but like how much clothing do you see out there that gets just discarded Oh my gosh, so much. I was recently at a thrift store with a friend and um, she was sort of shadowing me while I gathered all these pieces and got back home and I dumped them all out and I was about to launder them all and she's going through them and she was like, wow, I really, like every one of these items is like pretty much brand new. This quality, the quality of this fabric is so high. Why would anyone get rid of that? And it's sort of a question that's like, just always churning in my mind like these things are we get kind of we have these belongings and we get kind of sick of them or they don't really fill a need anymore maybe we outgrow them and we just kind of like get rid of them and they're still perfectly usable and I think it's pretty awesome that so many people are giving to thrift stores in the first place that's a pretty it, thrifting in Missoula is just kind of a way of life and it's a little challenging for me as a business owner because there is always like a 30 minute line at the checkout at Goodwill. Um, so there's a lot of, there's just constant turnover and there's a lot of competition in finding all these materials. But um, yeah, gosh, I just find a wealth of high quality fabrics for sure. That's impressive. And a 30 minute line, that must, I've heard things about thrift shopping in Missoula. Um, I've had some friends definitely say it's worth a stop, so... It really is. Yeah, it's really crazy. It's um, it's a very unique community of people who are all similarly minded, 
and really conscious consumers. And yeah, it makes for a lot of really high quality things coming through the thrift store, but I also have to go four times a week to be able to find things because they just sort of run away. All the good things are off to fun new homes when I want them. (laughs) (laughs) Now, do you think like people that are, I mean, this is my more speculation, but like the types of people in clothing dropping things off at like Goodwill and stuff, do you think they are conscientious consumers or are most people like that just purchasers of the habit and you know, always new, 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 new fashion, new trend, or are you finding that people are like picking up secondhand items and then using them for a while, then giving them back, but picking up others in the process? Have you noticed or have any insight to any of this maybe? Yeah, I think it's particularly where I'm living. I've noticed the latter. I've noticed people and I'm like definitely one of them. I the other day I was walking into Goodwill and I was looking, I started thinking about every component of my outfit and I was like, oh, I got this here. I got these pants here. I got these gloves here. I got these, sh- these shoes here. I got this jacket here. Um, and it made me realize that I haven't actually shopped in a big box store or for products that I didn't make myself or didn't get from the thrift store in years. And that's definitely, I mean, I think it might just be, a reality for this community, but yes, I certainly see a lot of conscious consumption um, in people dropping things off at thrift stores. They are the people who are fueling the inventory of the thrift stores are the people who are then going back in the next day and acquiring new things. Um, so it's a different, it's, it's kind of an interesting cycle because it is on one level really similar to the idea of just consuming these $7.99 t-shirts from H&M and like a $12 dress from Forever 21 and getting rid of them. But it's, it's elevated a little bit in my perspective because you're really aware of the stuff that you're acquiring and where it's going when you're getting rid of it. Um, but I think there's like, it's certainly location-based. I think where I grew up, it's not necessarily quite that same perspective, but I think there is just the the intention behind driving to a thrift store or sorting through your closet and taking things that you don't want or you don't use and, and making the conscious effort to provide them with a new home and um, give them a new opportunity at some other um, life in someone, someone else's closet. I think that, that speaks more highly to um, an educated consumer. I think that's, yeah. That makes sense, yeah. I definitely agree with that. Um, And, you know, I think it's amazing, you know, what you're doing because you are making all of these really great, unique pieces that are super technical. And for me, why I've started this whole podcast and everything, I think is because to be outdoorsy and, like, love to recreate outside, I should say, like, there has to be an environmental and conscientious side as the way you live life and purchase clothing and anything really in general because to enjoy time outside like so many of us do you have to like look at everything that you do and purchase and understand the consequences that they have purchasing things but also making conscientious decisions with a reason behind them you know I totally yeah I I totally agree I I feel like 
I mean, there's this constant stream of production. There's 7 billion people in the world. Like, one person can't stop that, right? Or, But if you have the mentality, like, okay, if, me, if I don't buy this new shirt, I'm not going to stop the need for all this fabric being produced. It's, it's still going to happen. But I can make a decision that alleviates some of that production or that maybe, like, has an impact on my local community or maybe, like, my my regional community and um, if we're if we're ever if all of, if all of us are taking those small steps then that in itself will have a greater impact on the, the need for production you're giving me so much to think about and you know, <laughs> there might be a hypothetical shopping cart I have out there of things that I've been thinking of purchasing and I might be rethinking this now Totally, totally. Once in a while, and I mean, you need to have a great conversation to remind yourself that you don't always need. It's just a absolutely. want and desire because of life and where you live. Absolutely, absolutely. And I see that a lot, too, with our products, just even having customers come back and say, hey, I bought this skirt last year, and I wore it on this backpacking trip, or hey, I bought this skirt and I do dance fitness, and I wear it for that every day, and seeing all the uses for this for products that... I mean, we're not manufacturing things that are claiming to be highly technical. Not at all. But you can take a non-technical item and use it for a lot of different applications and for a lot of different uses. And I think that's something that, especially in the gear industry, like we get very hung up on tech specs and new technologies and new materials. And if you just kind of take a step back and simplify, it's not really necessary to elevate yourself or to kind of put yourself in a realm. Um, you can you can do a lot with a really simple product. I think personally, skirts for me are one of them, especially um, for wearing over leggings in the winter every day or hiking in the summer, you know, taking a walk, doing, I find a lot of different value in a skirt. And it's funny, every time I run into people and they like look at you and you're like hiking a, you know, a tall peak, um, and they're like, you're mm -hmm. wearing a skirt. And you're like, yeah, I'm wearing a skirt. And then, you know, then I can go out to dinner in that same skirt and not even think twice about it. Exactly. Exactly. And it's the, the, the skirt is like, I don't know, the skirt and the dress have a very interesting gender-specific history, which is kind of fascinating, too. And they're sort of, I, I mean, they've been sort of symbols of oppression and... They're like this very feminine thing, but they're not necessarily that practical for these like really amazing lives that everyone is leading. Um, so it's fun to be able to integrate like a, a sort of classically feminine and flirty yet super functional thing into your life and like feel really good about wearing it. You nailed it exactly. I think I find myself wearing skirts and dresses all the time. I mean, I was working at a bike shop fitting people on bikes and, you know, I was always, granted, I was wearing like spandex shorts under a dress or skirts because, you know, you need to set up a bike and do things. But people would look at me like, do you need to go get one of the guys? And I'd be like, no, I can do this right now. And like, I'm wearing mm -hmm. shorts under my dress, but you know, I want to look cute in a dress, but at the same time, like, I'm going to go set up this bike for you. And you didn't think I could do it because I was wearing a skirt or a dress. Exactly, exactly. Yeah. And that's just sort of this interesting societal stipulation, which is kind of a fascinating thing in itself. Yeah, no, it definitely is very fascinating. Mm. Um, 
for if some of my listeners wanted to find some of your stuff, where would they be able to find it? Are you online in retailers? Do you do custom orders? How does the whole sales end of things go for you? Yeah. So right now we're kind of going to be a big um, revamping of our website, but we have an Etsy shop. So you can, you can find us on our website at shopkindapparel.com. And on there, we have a link to our web shop. We have a little smattering of things in there right now, but in the next month or so, we're going to do a big revamp. Um, we also have a list on the website of retailers you can find our products in. We're in about 30 stores or so, mostly centered in the West, but it's kind of smattering all across the country. And then we're really active on Instagram. We don't. We sometimes run promotions through there. Our Instagram handle is at kindapparelco, C-O, um, so we'll do like fun little giveaways and little behind the scenes a peek at kind of our process and the materials we use if you want to learn more. But yeah, head on over to Shop Kind Apparel and uh, pick up something fun. And how do you go about finding retailers to sell your products and how does that work on your end? So that's something that is a constant um, endeavor for us. But um, right now it's or kind of up until this year, it's been mostly just outreach researching places that we feel our philosophies align with theirs and contact them and reaching out to them and getting our products in them. Um, often people will kind of find us. And then we do trade shows where buyers are coming and looking for specific products and finding us and walking away with some new inventory for their shops. That's really awesome. Uh, what, yeah. What type of like trade shows are you going to? Is it like clothing specific or regional or? So right now we're mostly doing regional ones. Um, we've done a handful of pretty small ones, small regional ones, and we're going to do an apparel specific one this spring. And then hopefully we're going to move up to OR. Cool. It's kind of, it's kind <laughs> of our goal. Yeah. Well, definitely keep me in the loop. I'll definitely do anything to help. I like I love going to that show, but even more than loving, I like going to the show for all the interesting new products and talks. But totally, just uh, you know, you you can never have too much fun there. I think. Oh yeah, no, we will certainly keep in touch regarding our <laughs> visit to Salt Lake. And then we can go play in the mountains. Yeah. Oh, that'd be awesome. I'd love that. Um. <laughs> Let's see, what was I, I just lost my train of thought here. <laughs> I started thinking, and for some reason in my mind, even though it's the middle of winter, I just jumped to summer, and <laughs> I don't know why. I guess because, like, I live just at the bottom of Little Cottonwood Canyon in Sandy, and most nice. of the snow is kind of melted outside my house. Oh, man. And it's I kind think, of a warm spring, spring-like spring day here, too. It definitely is. But, you know, sometimes I think it's great because that means I don't have an icy driveway or stuff to shovel. But at the same time, <laughs> I, like, jump to think, like, summer and biking. and Right, right. It's just around the corner. It's still so much skiing I want to do. I know. That's the other thing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we've got a lot of snow here, and I don't think it's going anywhere anytime soon. So... What's kind of next for, you know, kind of peril in the next several months? You said you were in the process of getting a whole bunch of stuff put together for 
um, like a yeah. spring shop or summer? Or? Uh, um, yeah, so we've got a couple new products in the works, and we are in the process of getting into a bigger workshop space. Um, so that's kind of our big, our big goal for early 2017 is get it, get into a larger space where we can store more inventory and have a little bit of a, not necessarily a retail location, but a place where people can come and try things on and shop our racks a little bit better. And we're going to kind of, so right now we do a lot of retail shows in the summer. Uh, myself and my retail team will travel around and we'll set up things, we'll set up a booth that like running events or art shows. And we do a ton of that. Um, so we're going to be doing a little less of that and a little more wholesale. So we're going to get into more shops and be on the road a little bit less and be able to kind of savor the time that we have here in Missoula and um, fuel our personal relationships a little bit more and just kind of like be a little more local. I like it. I feel yeah. like going back and connecting to local roots in some way, shape, or form is really a very environmentally conscientious and friendly way, if I should even call it that. I'm not sure. But just to, you know, when things get brought back to the local level, there's a lot more conscious decisions being made, I feel like. Or impulsive purchases because something is local or has an interesting story behind it. Definitely. Definitely. Yeah. I think, um, you hit the nail on the head there with the, the story. I mean, that's especially this generation. Um, that's, I mean, that's why I buy things. I, I don't buy things necessarily. Yes. I like the way they look, but I'm buying things because I really care about what's gone into them and what's behind them. And I don't, I care a lot less about the price tag when I'm really passionate and uh, really, like, invested in the story behind it. So your story, kind of peril, you're creating functional pieces um, from upcycled fabrics. Yeah. And That's handmade. Us. What was that? And handmade. And handmade, yep. Yep, created by local hands in a local workshop from locally sourced materials. Yeah. And uh, yeah, our kind of a, the the tagline philosophy behind Kind of Peril is that like every single one of us that inhabits this planet is completely unique. There are no two people that are alike. So why not clothe ourselves with something that is completely unique and different from everyone else and celebrate that uniqueness that we all share? You're definitely speaking my language. I like it. <laughs> I. I don't even know. I know I've been following you on Instagram for quite some time. I yeah. have no idea how I like at some point became connected and found you, but I'm really glad that I did because I think what you're doing totally rocks and I want to see more of it because there's so much stuff I think that can be, you know, saved and upcycled fabrics wise especially I mean I was a kid that grew up learning to sew I should probably get my sewing machine back from my parents because it is at their <laughs> house in Vermont and you know feel, yeah feel it's like kind inspired. of a lost art yeah well, I'm, I'm really glad that that you found our work too and that you're able to connect with me and uh, really appreciate your comments they're really flattering and incredibly motivational <laughs> I'm glad um <laughs> Anything else you'd maybe want to say to my audience? 
Um, advice, I think, tips, like I, I think your audience is probably like, I mean, we, we're all speaking the same language here. Um, yeah, like really, especially in this this time, it's incredibly important to to practice what you preach. And, and if you feel really strongly about something, then support it. If there are people out there who are doing things that you're really, really passionate about, then support them. And that's how that's how we create change and how we keep this planet the way that are in a condition that allows other generations to experience it in the same way that we have. And I think that you're doing a lot of really important work through the advocacy of your podcast and kind of educating people. Thank you. Um, I'm really glad that there's people like you making awesome products that have a story because I think a story that connects people to the outdoors and everyday passions, you know, it's really what's going to help motivate things and stories are what sell. Absolutely. They totally, totally are. But I don't want to keep you much longer, you know. I'm sure you've got lots of other stuff to do today, Mallory. Go get back to the workshop. (laughs) Yes, but thank you so much for taking the time to, you know, talk with me today. Um, I really appreciate it. Oh, of course. Thank you, Megan. I really appreciate that you you reached out and everything that you do on your end. It's really wonderful. Thank you for listening in today. We are a storytelling platform that wants to share your stories. Have a story to share? Head on over to themountainoutpost.com and submit your idea on the contribute page. Or send an email to hello at themountainoutpost.com. Be sure to subscribe to our newsletter on our homepage. We promise we will not spam you or sell your information, but rather give you updates and share stories. Also, if you have not already checked us out on Instagram and Facebook, go ahead and give us a like. And last but not least, if you enjoyed this podcast and want to hear more, be sure to give us a positive rating and subscribe and leave any comments. Until next time... We'll see you outside.